Well, the kill. So the theme we've had this whole time, we've had it's time to go hunting. That's come up a bunch. And we've got it's not paranoia if someone's really after you. Yeah. That line is used and recycled a bunch of times. Yep. That's Jonathan's line, apparently. But but he tells yep. it to Katie. Katie repeats it. Yeah. It's not paranoia, par- paranoia if they're actually hunting you. Yep. And Rafe says it at the very end here yeah. on in the surf after he he's he's taken out. So we're getting to the kill. It's time to hunt. I feel like this is where the book really gets back to the theme. And Jack's talked about a bunch how he writes on that sticky note what what the theme is to carry through the book. And these last few chapters, his last two hundred pages, whatever, hundred fifty pages, we are really getting into the dark side of man explored through the dynamic of the hunter and the hunted. I I think you cannot put a better one line slogan on everything that's about to happen besides the dark side of man explored through the dynamic of the hunter and hunted. Yeah. It's a perfect lens in which to read this here, right? For sure. Yeah, for sure. So at this point they, uh, basically can't officially go but you know of course being that this is a jack Carr novel he's going to get some sort of band back together and i really like the descriptions of everyone it does take a little bit of time i'm sure some like more casual readers didn't really care for the lineup of guys but if you, yeah, yeah for, uh, which I, I like all those descriptions i think it's um i want to say diaz maybe is yeah. described as the guy who makes half face blades which in real life is andrea arabito um, and he makes him a Hunter Skinner, which is a real knife model that Andrea Arabito makes. He's a former SEAL, friends with Jack Carr. So it's like oh, he, cool. he he made the details and descriptions of these people, his real buddies, just with right. different different names. Right. Um, and so it's cool. It's like it's like if Jack is writing James as himself, it's like he's going on this op for revenge with his with his buddies, which is kind of cool. But it also gives like shout outs to people who. Yeah are doing different things outside the military now. So like, if you're really into it, there's other things to explore there as well. And I really like how just like that, bringing the cast of characters together, almost everybody Reese encounters, because he's kind of just that CIA spook in a lot of these meetings. Yeah. Who is, who is on the special activities, you know, end of things. But what's really cool is everyone's like, I know who you are, you know, thank you for what you've done, you know, and all this. And, it's that one character, I think you're right, Diaz or whoever, who's in the unit, that ranger unit that was training for the op initially. Yeah. Who you really like, who actually lets him, you know, requisition the uh, the equipment. The weapon. <laughs> and, yeah, or 1049, whatever yeah. the form was, he yeah. takes him for the CIA. I feel like just those little interactions of, like, people coming up to Reese. I think they're eating a meal when he's first on site. And just what people say to him, you know, is just is really cool. And I think that's where Jack is channeling what he went through. And the closeness that he knew with his guys and other people in other units. And you really get the sense this is how operators talk to one another. Yeah. Like Chris said earlier, this world feels so lived in. And it that's what kind of makes it believable. And it's almost like um, as much as he name drops Brad Thor novels in every single book, it's almost like someone's reading a Brad Thor novel. That's just like an airport novel thriller book. This is this is reality. And it it. It kind of, even though it's like a name drop to a, a you know, an, a now friend of his, it's at the same time, I don't know, it's like watching something that's maybe a little bit more believable at the same time because someone, someone has something that's fiction over there yeah. that we know is fiction. Right. One other angle as we're fleshing out new characters and while I don't want to say the loser of the book for me, something I think that takes it down a peg is that you're almost at like the two third, three quarter mark squeezing too much in. He's doing that with is the Reginald Pine story. We hear a little bit yeah. about President Grimes, who was VP. His chief of staff is this jackass who wants to be the gatekeeper. You know, he's this lobbyist, Was a, basically destroyed people's lives with the vaping and tobacco industries, used that to his advantage pretending he's president, making it seem like he could greenlight the op or not by what he's going to pass on and allow access to the president. And I just, so it was very Flynnian. We got a huge, huge backstory on Reginald Pine. And it was very Vince Flynn. He's like a Stu Garrett. You know, you want to hate him, but I have enough people to hate at this point. And while I love the political angle in my books and he could have been an awesome character, 
I don't know if this is the right time to throw him in, especially throw him in with that level of depth. Yeah, and I think if you compare it to when we got another new character in terms of the senator, right? Senator um, uh, Rafe's father-in-law. We get the same sort of backstory with him, but I'm a, I'm not minded by that, or I'm not bothered. But like, it actually adds to the story because then we're we're with him in a couple of scenes. He becomes a, an important like James uses his airplane and Planes, he helps him his cabin. He, yeah, he helps him uses his cabin. He helps him in the uh, in the fight. Right, they're they're taking guns with Jonathan and and you know. Whereas here, when I'm listening to that chapter. I thought like my, I thought my audible had had like skipped or my scribe had skipped. <laughs> I thought I had missed a couple chapters because it was just such a stark change yeah. to. All right, we're now because uh, then I looked and I was like, oh, there's two only like two and a half hours left, right, or two hours left. It's like we're getting this new character and it's pretty in depth and he's is he supposed to be this major player? He's an asshole. That whole like vaping thing like like was just insane backstory like just i think it was just too much i think if and you just cool. had it i think if you just toned it down a little bit and not just made him all right this is this guy and he's gonna say no like you know uh, i don't know i wouldn't have it's just had out of place my bigger problem uh, it, it is out of place but i i think the wrong that is made with this dickhead is righted in the devil's hand with the with the bad guy cast in that in that book so i agree this guy is out of place as far as back to Thorn, which I don't like his name because it's so familiar with Horn from the first novel. Right. I think Thorn, I like his background and how much it's discussed because he has a conversation with Reese that's very important where he explains that he lost his wife and hasn't been in the house since. And and the, the right. gist of the talk is they, they took your past from you. Don't let them take your future. Right. So I think that is the main purpose of that character in general. Like and that that conversation is important. Yes, like it it yes. adds to the story. Yes, so I don't Whereas mind this, that I learn about that guy's background at all. Yeah, this guy, he ultimately, right in the end, um, we find out that he was being like used, right, as, as a Russian mole. Uh, yes, right. correct. And, it was a little weak. And at the end, that guy, I feel like that setup should have happened earlier. Yeah, that Larue character. Uh, or if, he, yeah, if you had if you had introduced him earlier and he had been. You know, he had been Larue had been talking to Gray, and you know, right, right, there had right. been this connection between yes. the, the the three different stories. That's how Flynn would have done it. Sure, but so but here I, it, it was just it was just it was really weird. Like, I'm why did you pick up on that? Like, why yeah. is he just going to go sell these secrets and tell them and spill the beans to some random dude? It was just forced because you needed it to leak out somehow. I agree, yeah. and this is this is maybe one of my beefs with with how Jack does things, but I kind of like it at the same time. It's like you know, I talked to you guys before about how he puts out those little two minute trailers for the books mm-hmm. that are filmed professionally and stuff. So I have a description up of on on his website of the book. Now there's two little paragraphs in here that say, with an unknown entity inside the U.S. government compromised by Russian intelligence, Reese is forced to recruit a team of former commandos to bring his unique brand of vengeance to the Russian mafia on their home turf turning the hunters into the hunted. So if you don't read that, you aren't expecting this dipshit that you now get dumped about a full chapter and a half of his background on. Right. So like, while while I love these descriptions um, and I'm sure like the one in the back of the book is the same or similar. I feel like that information needs to be earlier Uh, that that there is a mole in the U S government and we don't know who it is. It's. I feel like sometimes maybe those back of the cover things or or, or the blurbs, because I, I felt like this with um the latest Kyle Mills book, Legion is the the one of the main antagonists in that story, and Legion is in the the blurb, but Legion doesn't come into the series to the actual story until what two thirds into the novel, Mike. Right, and, and doesn't really do much. Doesn't really do much, and we. We actually had recorded that episode, that that book in in two separate chunks, and purposely didn't read what we didn't ta- weren't talking about. And as I then read the the description, Mike's like, "Wait, we didn't even get to talk about Legion. We haven't even we read about Legion, about Legion yet." <laughs> so I I'm wondering if maybe may, maybe there was something else. Maybe this book was longer. You know, yeah. how long was this book, Mike or, or Tyler? Do you know? Um, I don't off the top of my Page head. Page-wise? It seems longer than the last two. 
I, yeah, I think it might be the longest of this of the series, actually. De- Devil's so it doesn't feel like long too. Doesn't feel like Jack is under this pressure that Kyle and Brad seem to be placed under by the publishers. I mean, or maybe I'm just like putting that on them, but I, I feel like they they are being forced to cut their books down, make them a little bit more quippy, a little more quick reads. Whereas Jack, it doesn't give a shit. This is 432 pages. 432? Yeah. And I do believe that it's the longest of the series. It's the longest. It didn't feel that way, except parts like this almost made it feel that way at times. But overall, the pacing is so good through the rest of it. Right. So when something like this storyline takes you out for a little bit, you're kind of like, wait, what? The valley scene was awesome. And we're about to get to the hunting scenes, which are awesome. And this... I just don't know why the Reginald Pine backstory was so long. I, I but Chris, know. one other thing you made me think of is sometimes those descriptions are written so early because the marketing teams and the publishers need something. They need that hook. They need the synopsis. And I know Kyle has talked about this and others. It's like Legion led all of the marketing. It was all about this Legion villain that's out there. But then when the book got written, it wasn't front and center. So I don't know if right. it's like pacing and editing versus you need to write a synopsis and the marketing pitch early and your final product might deviate a little bit. And so maybe that was stuff that got cut or this whole there's a mole in the government. He's like, I'm going to push that off to the devil's hand kind of stuff later on. Not necessarily going to lean into it too heavy in Savage Sun because the other stuff is gold. Right. But now we're going to get into my favorite part of the book. Your favorite. Okay. Take us to Siberia. Uh, well, I guess Kamchatka and Medney Island wouldn't technically be Siberia. It's a little little further east and south. But I need, I, I, I meant to look this up. Where actually is Medney Island? Is so it a real place? I was surprised. Medney Island is one of the closest Russian territories to the U.S. with the Aleutian Islands. Atu Island is one of the Alaskan islands at the end of the Aleutian chain. And Medney Island is not that far off. So it's technically one of the most remote Russian islands and one of the closest to the U.S. Yeah, I'm looking at a map of it right now. Oh, okay. I like that, right. it, I like that it's not fictional. No. And they even talk about going to Atu. I think that's where if they needed to get somebody to the hospital like Rafe, which they needed to do, their plan was to stop there Yeah, because that would be the closest medical facilities on U.S. territory. And it's not far off. Yeah, so by this point, the commandos are all prepped up and ready to go, and we're on Thorne's plane with Liz making hilarious in-flight comments, um, which this book does have a decent amount of comedy in it. Like I find myself chuckling a couple times, and I think that's Mm -hmm. something that that each of these books really needs. While even if it's like... um, I don't know. I feel like there's even a couple points in like, especially terminal list where like there's comedy, but it probably shouldn't be funny. It's just the situation and the reaction of the characters is like Reese is such a smart ass and people are obviously dying horribly, but it, it made me laugh. But, um, this one does have some comedy in it. So they're getting ready to jump out of a, like a private plane basically. So, yeah. And they're going to do the Hey Ho jump. And I kind of enjoyed the storyline of the landing kind of going wrong and having to adapt on the op because of the EMP. Basically, Reginald Pine tipping off LaRue let the the Russians know they're going to have a team inbound. And so they were prepared to take out their equipment, which would lose their advantage. You know, you know, uh, you got NVGs. They've got all the altimeters and different equipment for their jump, different uh, communication comms. And, and so everything basically goes down. And we get a pretty hard landing in the snow, and you got to fight in the nighttime, which allows – and this is a cool scene with the flares. And I love how Reese thinks back to Vietnam and his father. You know, we turn the night into day. We send up these flares one by one. Reese goes up on a perch, gets the drop on the guys, and basically this advance team sent to kill them, they're able to turn things around and get the upper hand. And so now it can be Reese going after – uh, what's his name? Alexander, all on his own. Chris, is there anything here you you really enjoyed for the jump and landing and first first assault? 
Well, I think like just the fact that they're doing going to try to perform a hey ho jump out of a a G class like you know private jet is, yeah. is pretty insane. You know, it's like some Mission Impossible shit with the dog with the dog Ido. Yes, yeah, I, I like the you know again this this community of the the, the good guys are going to get a pretty high score on on my my scorecard. You know, just the the group he's able to assemble and. You know, when they're going through the training and the people in, in the special ops community and how they're going to help him out and how, you know, uh, what it, Jonathan offers to pay all, all the guys like a, a quarter of a million dollars and the one right. guy turns it down and says, put it in Freddie Strain's you know, kids fund or whatever. You know, all those little details really like add, elevate this, the story. And, you know, there's things that like, get, like we've said, that get, get placed in that, that have no meaning, but I think there's, some things here that make it better and elevate it. And I think, you know, once we, I, I like how the EMP is sort of juxtaposing this idea of, you know, Rafe in the beginning, he, he's like, like you, you guys mentioned, he's the opposite of, of Jack, you know, he, he's sort of this old school guy. And so by taking away and, and going back to basics that you really see how um, adaptive James can be. And how, you know, you believe now that story that he was able to, I think you even believe it more once he is able to track six months through Siberia. But you believe that story of him, like, you know, carrying a kayak uh, through Alaska. And I, I love, you know, he's done this a couple, in a couple of the, the novels so far where he talks to himself. He's like, think, act, you know, like, make a decision. Like, um, I, I like when, when, um, when Jack puts those things into James's head. You know, and we're beginning to see this relationship and his remembrance to his father that's going to be like play a major role, especially in uh, in the blood. And I liked all those callbacks, especially like towards the end here. Um, and I don't know, we're we're gonna get to this part, but the fucking what did you guys think of Alexander as a bad guy? We've already had him. We've met him a couple different times. We've had a couple yeah. like we've obviously had his backstory. All the way back to when he was a kid, watching his mom, what off off herself. Yeah. Um, oh, and then his, that moose. Yeah, yeah. The with the the moose scene. Wanted yeah, to watch the moose suffer, and his dad. He thought and he got kids mad when 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 his dad killed the moose. Um, yeah. The the scene of his training in the SVR, like that. That was fun. That was really really yeah. weird. Um, I don't know what what did you guys think of him? How does he stack up as as a big bad? I think. Um, his mentality and everything like he, I think he's very intimidating on, on what he's capable of and he views himself very highly, mm -hmm. but I really think uh, he's flushed out to be exactly what he really is in the end right before his death, which is, which is a, a killer and a coward. Um, yeah. And I mean, when it, when it comes to this, you, you notice that Reese uses a compound bow. Rafe uses a traditional bow what does Alexander use? He uses a crossbow. He uses, right. he, he, he may quote hunt, but what he's doing compared to what, how Rafe and James know how to track is he's a novice. He's it's a shortcut. He, he's, he's a wannabe. What, right. what it comes down to is like the best one word description for Alexander is that he is a wannabe. Yeah. And I think he really gets shown up. And while he's holding all the cards, it's like somebody walked in and took his whole hand out of his, like all the cards out of his hand. And, I totally forgot about his backstory. Yeah, it definitely adds to him as a character. Yeah, I forgot about his training and that girl he, you know, strangled and choked yeah. and went too far. Yeah. And one thing we did skip over, I wanted to comment on, was like Oliver Gray and that uh, secretary, and how she worked for Alexander and kind of got the the ambush in place a little bit. And then I I really enjoyed. I thought it was very espionage and spy like how Oliver was at the window and you could see his silhouette. And I think he lit a pipe and you could see like his face in the reflection and she's out there and she gets stabbed. Yep. And um, he got off on it or let yeah. himself over it. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I thought, I don't know why that scene, um, just the way it's written felt very like, um, noir. It's yeah. almost noir. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely got those vibes. Like I would view that in like black and white. And it's, I'll agree with you. Yeah, that one really stands out. And again, it's Jack doing this different genre or bringing in these yeah. different influences. That's almost very like Le Carre or yeah, or like Saboteur. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which we don't see a lot. 
no in the rest I, of this I don't series know, i don't know why that that stood out to me and uh i forgot to bring it up earlier but anyways let's get back to medney um so the the emp is something i'm not a huge fan of but it does force us to where we want to be which is out of kind of your element and you have to adapt and you don't have the technology that you usually rely on because you're so used to James saying you take every tactical and advantage. technical advantage in every situation. Yeah. You you don't like square up evenly. You take as much of an advantage as you can get. He doesn't have that here. Exactly. The team is kind of straight up screwed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's at the point he's got to fight off a dog with a snowshoe. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, he's already coming in like, what he said normally he would have had 40 guys yeah, and they qrf would have team a key, yeah. yeah a quick reaction for gunship you know, gun he's going in with five guys and a dog and flares <laughs> you know, yeah. and flares like you know and each each of them has two flares that's it so yeah i love yeah. the problem solving in in this part yes um yes. i i'm trying to recall they they use the flare and do that system and i think farkas gets injured right yep. and then they he make it fragged. And then they end up making it to the to the to the area where people are held, right, in the jail cells and stuff. Yep. Okay. Right. Then they go through the house. Exactly. Yes. He goes through the house. He finds Hannah's head. You know. Yeah. In, in formaldehyde in yeah. the jar. Yeah. Which is and, obviously super rough. Um, yeah. There's two moments in this book that feel they don't feel out of place, but they feel like Hollywood moments, and they're just sentences, just just a couple sentences. And one of them is that he convinces the group that he he needs to go finish this alone which seems corny at first but then the following couple sentences is him justifying it which is two guys have to carry Farkas one holds security I'm like okay I'm in you just sold me on this idea that I just a second ago I wasn't on board with um yeah if you just left it with like I gotta do this alone and he walks yeah, away you're yeah, like oh, yeah that's a bunch of bullshit the, like, the justification of it makes me 100% like even more okay with it I agree right. definitely agree and they can't miss the extract. And if yes. they try to go do the mission, then pull Farkas out, you're going to miss it. You're stuck yeah. in Siberia. 100%. So, and the Russians are going to be bearing down on you. So from that point, I think they fo it really focuses more on Alexander versus Rafe. And I can't recall who Alexander's uh, native buddy is. Sergey. Yes, okay. that big uh, Kodiak dude. Yeah, which um, the fight monster of a man. The fight between him and James is, might be my, my favorite one-on-one -on -one fight in the series. Very I think cool. I agree. I think I agree. He's looking at different like fighting styles. He recognizes like Sambo at one point and yeah. something else. He's always oh, doing this move. The, the, and, the, yeah. For me, the best part is um, he saw him. He, he Sergey lets James get a snowshoe off and he's approaching him. And he said he caught a spinning back kick from him. And he goes, a spinning back kick from a man that size with that much force. I am in trouble. And exactly. I feel like that line is like the setup for like, he's outmatched. He needs to figure something out. And yep. luckily he has the, the old faithful Winkler on him that ends up giving him the upper hand. Dude, he does some work with that Winkler there. Yeah. I mean, whenever we talk about of... the dark side of man, it's not only right. Alexander, but it's also Reese getting absolutely yes. savage. And absolutely. when we talk about ancient weapons, it, it just turns them, turns them into exactly that. Just a savage. He runs the crux of the Winkler, like down the guy's arm to disarm yep. him. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, there's so many Winkler moments. That's one of the more subtle ones with James Reese. It's not like the, you know, the Imam like, cracking down the head or whatever. Yeah. yeah. This is a much more subtle one that's embedded in a bigger fight. And it is just awesome. It's one of those things. I, I heard this at one of the thriller conferences. You write your slow scenes fast and your fast scenes slow. I am so glad that that fight took a couple of pages because it's yeah, probably yeah. a really quick fight in in a actual timeline. Yeah, but Jack chose to deliberately take you through the mind of a warrior and how time slows and how you are really being intentional about how you're going to win the fight. And he does that a bunch of times when they're doing the flare thing. It's so rushed; they're getting shot out. How do they get out of this? Even Rafe pinned down in the valley, yet. Jack is able to slow those scenes down and take us through every sense that an operator has every sense, every decision they're making and how they're going to communicate it to the team. And I, I, I just love the, the writing of Jack doing either a hand to hand fight scene or a full on ambush scene is just way different than any other person with either limited or no military experience trying to do it. I'm not saying one's better, worse, one's a better author, but it's just so different 
and you could tell it's another level here. Yeah, hundred hundred percent. I I like that fight scene probably the that's probably my favorite part about the this whole third act of the kill. Um, I was really hoping. So at this at this point, what I was hoping for was Rafe and Alexander to get separated, and mm. James to be the Alexander's focus for a little bit, and and then the hunt really be on. And you can, I was I was hoping for like a viewpoint where Alexander thinks he knows what he's doing, and then like a master shows him what what's mm. really up. And while I don't know, sometimes I make my expectations too too strong, it ends up being pretty pretty well done still i just being in this moment and knowing this is based off of the most dangerous game i thought that there would be a little bit more of a one-on-one thing but at the same time i feel like that would feel too hollywood as well so i'm happy they didn't go that route and i was nervous i was similarly nervous about the most dangerous game that somebody was just going to show up in a bedroom and be hiding behind the curtains or whatever yeah pop out and get alexander in the middle of the night i was like it really worked in the most dangerous game it was it was freaking brilliant he he even says that he, he alexander it, right? is thinking yeah. is yep. he going to go back to my to exactly. my room and wait for me to go in to go asleep like he even i love says that, line. that yeah love that line yeah that line got me because i was like oh that that was it yeah, that's what such, happened such a callback and it um, told me that he's not going to do that that jack's not just going to have that happen yes. and take the easy way out yes brilliant so at this point we don't realize it but what james has done i believe is picked up sergey's bow that he was training with earlier in in the book and this really turns into a focus of alexander versus rafe rafe gets very injured very fast uh, but he does put up a fight it's not the same as hannah while he you you think he's going to do the same thing as hannah it drastically takes a left turn when he throws a rock um a football sized rock i think yeah and there's another most dangerous game reference with rafe backtracking and and covering his tracks making him go one way where he's really going to backtrack through them and then cover his tracks going somewhere else and then how alexander is thinking well like every trained warrior he's just going to go to the high ground take the highest ground i'll know what he's going to do this is predictable but then alexander goes wait or does he know that i'm going to know that he would do that and there's a lot of meta back and forth going on here and yeah. I think it really adds to the suspense. I agree. It does add to the suspense. Chris, what do you think of this Rafe Alexander showdown? The hunt. I liked it. I wanted a little bit more like I could have. I'm always wanting more. I could have done with a little bit more like focusing on Rafe and and like and then also like the, the whole I because all of this is happening. Like I, I thought it was kind of crazy how Alexander and Rafe are on this hunt. And he sort of just left his goodies. He knows that James is coming, right? To take care of him. And he's like, he's so arrogant. I, I mean, I guess that, that plays into like, like you said, he's a poser he, he, or he's inexperienced. He's like, oh, you know, forget about this guy who has this, had this terminal list and killed all these people. Like, I, my, my goons are going to get him. I'm going to go on this hunt. I wanted a little bit, I wanted to focus more of my time on the hunt. And like I said, it it would have been cool to get more of like this trifecta of Reese, Rafe, and Jonathan. But I will say, like the end, where you know it sort of all culminates. I thought it was perfect. So yeah. in the end, we got there, and like I was happy with with how it concluded. But you know, I could I could always do with more. I, yeah, a little I, more. I think riff. like my you, you could have you could have gotten rid of that chapter with uh with Reginald Pine and put in another <laughs> chapter of like more back rave. and forth uh hunt. you know hunting and you know you would have got a couple more points out of me yeah hashtag I, um, more rave yeah. <laughs> i think the 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 complaint that i just had about james versus alexander being like a thing and like the hunt is really on i think yeah. that i basically wanted to see james's skills which in a way is corrected in the epilogue yes yes yeah that's true that that to me is the is the actual hunt what alexander is doing he's he's not a hunt like rafe says he's not a hunter he's just a killer the real hunt yeah. is james and oliver is that's the hunt right yeah we already kind of talked about the epilogue but you know i, I said it was one of my favorite parts I, I wanted to see that that entire you know while i appreciate like i i totally agree i would, did think about how 
poetic and short story-esque that epilogue is, I could have read an entire book that was that six months, you know. Do you mind one more long quote just because it's that good? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it just it's that good. And I can't even do it justice. If only we can use Ray Porter's voice here. But <laughs> yeah. We don't want to get sued for all the pennies that we make off advertising. So, um, <laughs> quote, as winter settled upon the harsh land, a rumor began to swirl among the villages of the Krasnoyorsk cry. A ghost was moving across the tundra, sometimes taking the shape of the animals that inhabited the wilderness. Some of the stories described him as half man, half beast. Still others were sure one of the brown bears that inhabited the interior had killed a nomadic hunter, merging their souls. The stories were passed along in the way they had since the first peoples had moved into this land, following the herds that gave them sustenance. The ghost would occasionally steal food and supplies from the villages along his path, always a gift left in exchange. No one knew his destination, but it was rumored he was heading west. Toward what or whom was unknown. Mothers maintained an attentive eye on their children, keeping them closer than usual. Fathers and hunters took an extra minute to pause and study the landscape before closing their doors at night. Once, a village heard a gunshot in the distance. Even specters had to eat. Boom! That last line, just, it, it's haunting. It's just Even absolutely haunting. Even have to eat. Yeah, love that. So there's, there's one other thing, though. Before we, we jump into the epilogue, what do you think about the team popping up and, and essentially saving him? I thought it was pretty cool that Vic was able to work his magic. I forget if he, they say he got through to the president or whatnot, but somehow that SEAL team was authorized to come in and, and extract the crew, and they kind of just pop up out of nowhere. It was yeah. almost like I, the I love Eagles, that. the Lord of the Rings e Eagles coming yeah, in, they swooping up Frodo and, and Sam. They literally are. Um, I like that they talk about being an S SDV team, which is SEAL delivery vehicle, which is a very small submarine. Um, that carries a couple of guys and it's a wet sub. So as far as I know, you have to have scuba gear inside and it's actually water inside and out, but you like ride in it. Um, mm -hmm. so, uh, those are real things and they wouldn't like come up on radar and stuff from Medney Island. I don't think they would arrive because they are so small. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. I like how they just kind of come out of nowhere. Uh, Jonathan and his rage showing up yes. out of nowhere is, yes. is pretty great. And I like how. He he hisses fuck you to them whenever they ask for names, um, even though it's clearly an American. Um, so this my second Hollywood moment is coming up, which is uh, Reese turning around and going to Siberia. Alone. Oh, yeah, that's that's Just total Hollywood off. right there. Yeah, um, Hollywood. Which it. Like, it's funny, like every time I think of something that bothers me, there's something that it makes it OK. And like the thing that I like wouldn't happen if it weren't for that Hollywood ish feeling moment, yeah. unfortunately. But you have to have a few of them. Yeah, you can sprinkle a few in which you, I, you can't I think lean on it too heavily. I think there's two. So that's perfect. And that's like a I good said, balance. Yeah. The justification of the one for for Farkas is awesome. Yeah. I, I well, love it, there's another line there from Jonathan, which I really liked. Where he was like, I, I was not going to let the boys. I can. I I'm already going home. One child short. I wasn't going to go home with a second one. I would have yeah. no life after that if I left Rafe out here. And I knew I didn't give everything, including myself, to go get him. Yeah. But I knew all the other lads. They can go home to their families. Yeah. I'm not going home to a complete family anymore. I might go home to almost no family, half a family. Yeah. Yet they can go home. So I'm sending them home, and I'm going in. I like. Yeah. I like that little line too. Yeah, I like J Jonathan really f gets flushed out as like a probably the most badass sub character in the series through his actions in this one. Nope. Caroline Hastings, <laughs> <laughs> Caroline and Jonathan. How about that? Well, yeah, they're a couple. We'll that's put fine. them together. That's fine. <laughs> the Hastings in general, man. Yeah. yeah just which, that name. I, there, there's been talk and lots of lots of questions about books just on the Hastings in the future. Oh, so oh yeah. Possibility. Dude. Absolutely. <laughs> so. You know, at this point, we, we didn't even talk about the, the kill, which is Reese killing Alexander with with Sergei's bow. Right. Um, I love the description of how he's getting ready to kill Rafe. And he says he willed his hand to pull the trigger and it just wouldn't. And he looked down and saw a broadhead 
sticking out of the left of his chest. Yep. He just thought that it looked familiar and nothing really clicked. And then a second one came through his chest and then he fell. And like, I, I don't know why I like the description, how it didn't quite hit, hit Alexander that this was a possibility that he would would lose. That goes to Chris's point that he kind of had his defenses down thinking, All right, my guys are going to take care of Reese and the insertion team and I'm free to hunt. I don't have yeah. a care in the world. And that was his the hubris, his downfall. Yeah. Right. And even right. even recovering Rafe is stressful where he goes in oh, there, yeah. finds a body and it's Alexander. He's like, get the hell away from me. And he pushes him back in the water and keeps swimming. Yeah, yeah keeps finding Rafe. Um, so at that point, so after that, the, that team shows up. We talked about already. So if you guys want to, we can talk about the epilogue again. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. A lot going on in the epilogue. And we also have the uh, the shipping container, too. So, yeah, we talked about Reese going through Siberia. Anything more there or can we get into the real personal here? With uh, Reese getting back home. I mean, Chris, you got anything other than I, I like how he negotiates how to get back to the States? Yeah, no, I think it's the the whole scene with, you know, the the father or the what's what's the Russian? Uh, Ivan, Ivan, Ivan Sharkov. Sharkov. He, I know. But what's what's uh, what do they call Pagan? Pahan? Pahan? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. I think it's they just call like Pahan. Pahan. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or leader yeah. or something. So that whole scene, like like I said before, I was, I thought he was gonna let, you know, Gray live, and I, I was gonna be pissed, but he didn't. So it came through, and I, I I see that all right, he really didn't have that much beef with Yvonne in terms of I guess like, tell you were kind of saying that he might have been the mastermind behind the 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 Ukraine plot. Just mainly behind the Oliver Gray stuff, right? Um, in 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 True Believer, but I, I can see how you know Reese is becoming this, you know, CIA spook type thing. You know, finding an asset where he can potentially use in the future. I mean, he 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 blatantly says, "I'm not going to like spy for you," but yeah. you know, we could we could work out a deal. You know, if you need some something, I need something type. And it's good to have those kind of relationships going forward. And I like how the rest of this prologue, you know, we get we get set up for the next couple of books, yeah. and we're gonna really flesh that out in in the blood, right, with his father and what we find, in, you know, this this lock, this or like right, the safety deposit key. Um, he gets the watch. He gets the car. I love the Grand Wagoneer. Uh, he gets a <laughs> he gets Wagoneer a shot an, an Ithaca shotgun. Yes. Um, you know, so. I, I think it does what all good epilogues do in terms of like giving us some finality, some, you know, ending to the story while also giving us enough intrigue, keep us, you know, waiting for the next year or so whenever the next book comes out. Right. Yeah. This really isn't an in the blood level of a cliffhanger, but at the same time, I got to know what the safety deposit box key is for. Um, right. And which we still don't know, yeah, which we which still, we don't, still know. don't know. But back, right, long, back real in. quick to the end of him and Jarkov talking, I loved the two threats that were made. Um, that if you kill me, I have right. a friend that will not be right. as kind as I would be. Right. And then um, I like that, you know, if you, I think he says, if you fuck me, I will end your entire bloodline. Right. I like everything about that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. And to say that an American wiped the Zharkov, the Bratva leader, yeah. mob boss's bloodline from from history. Yeah. That will be shame for your family, like shame for your name for, yeah. for eternity. Yeah. I love everything about that deal. Yep. Really like the deal. That, that, that whole that whole end dialogue after after the demise of Oliver's is solid. And it's set up, I think. I think we as the readers are set to accept that when Yvonne really wants to distance himself from his own son. I think we realize while this is a bad guy, he's bad hombre. We realize he's not the bad in the sense of he must be eliminated right away. Yeah. He's bad in the sense of might be useful for a little while with his power and his connections. And he's bad in almost a, a noble way, like a traditional way of, yeah, they at least have rules. He's going to at least play by the rules, yeah. the bad guy rules, and we can work with that. The CIA wants that, right? The CIA doesn't want loose cannons yeah. who will turn on you. They want the traditionalists who who still play within certain boundaries. They'll fuck you, <laughs> but you know the boundaries they'll play by. Yeah, you really walk away thinking that Yvonne is not as bad as Alexander. Right. 
Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. And definitely not as crazy. I think that's, that's the key difference. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like the deal. And he has a, a line, you know, Reese basically makes up his mind. He's going to go back, work with the CIA and Vic told him you'll get the four years out of me. And now he's got a line and th- an open line of communication with someone like that can have a lot of benefits yeah. later down the road, even ones you can't expect right now. For sure. Yep. It's all opening these doors to potential in the future. So he essentially turned them. Yeah. Yeah. I think Jarkov thinks he has Reese, but I has Reese, right? Reese, Reese has Jarkov in the yeah. end. Exactly. What's going to happen. Exactly. Woo. Good book, man. Good stuff right there. Do we do the scorecard? I Let's think we've got to give our final scores on the scorecard. Tyler, I sent it to you in advance. Do you have your uh, 50 points ready to break down with us? You, you know what you're going to do? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Well, walk us through your action and plot. Those are the heaviest on the scorecard. 10 points each up for grabs. Action and plot. What say you? They're they're 10 apiece. I mean, this is my favorite fiction novel ever. So Ooh, coming out strong. All Ooh, right. Ever. Like okay. It. Yeah. Uh, I mean, have I don't, I don't limits. <laughs> I yeah, I'm in the middle of term limits. Okay, good. But, um I am not as well read in the fiction side of things as you guys. I read a lot of nonfiction and a lot of other military books as well. But um but this is like Jack Carr is my favorite author for fiction stuff. This is my favorite series and this is my favorite book in, in that series. So there's not nice. really there's not really a whole lot. I mean, the only category that I can maybe dock at all is is bad guys because of the, right, we'll, the mole. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> so, Mike, uh, what what did you have for action and plot, Mike? I'm going to agree with Ty on the action there. When the action is happening, there is nothing better than it. When it's happening, I say, because I went down to an eight on plot. Because while the pacing's pretty good and the action is thrown in at the right times, I bought into the plot more in the first two thirds of the Katie, the Hastings, the ranch. Then Katie drops off the face of the earth, which I understand why that needs to happen. And then the plot becomes more heavy on this Reginald Pine guy. And once that shift happens, the plot's a little less intriguing. So thankfully, the action carries through till the very end, 10 out of 10. But because of the plot and the and the intricacies of, of how it's woven together, the, the last half of the book maybe suffered a bit. So eight on plot, 10 on action. All right, I'm, I'm kind of along my lines with you, Mike, but I didn't dock it as much. I, I docked plot as a nine, so I got a, I got a 19 points out of plot in action. That's that's still pretty pretty good, pretty good. But did this keep you guys bought in the whole way? A perfect five means you're you're bought in in the sense of the storytelling is is gripping you the whole time, but also buy in in the realism. The is yeah. Did this feel real to you? Oh, totally. This, like I said, we, we, all of us have said it. Um, this book feels. Because I think the intangibles that Jack puts in, or, or not intangible, but the actual the tangibles that he puts in in terms of lacing the details, just allow you to believe that this could truly be a real story. Um, right. So I, I was bought in five out of five. Ty, yep, I'm with Chris. Same reasons. Uh, I I hear a lot of like complaints about his books from people who say stuff like, you know, we don't care what the serial number is on the gun, but like as a gun guru and stuff. He he doesn't go into that much detail, but it like it it does. No, we've read we've read worse. Yeah, like not worse, but like just I know more. I guess. Yeah, and and like um, everybody complains about how much detail he goes into for the for the gear, but like as a gear guy myself, I I really appreciate like that that kind of detail, and it's not too yep. much like to where he describes what color it is. Like, yep, it matters. What I know nothing. The guy is carrying nothing about the equipment. Well, it's Absolutely cool. Like, not there's enough thing. there where if you cared, you could find out exactly what right. you're imagining. And if you don't care, it's fine. It, it doesn't limit yeah. your buy-in. It doesn't put right. you out of the story. If if you don't care, you just kind of read it and you're like, okay, cool. I have a neat visual now. Move yeah. on. So you, you're at a 10. You understand it. I'm at a zero. Yet we can equally enjoy those parts of the books. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this might be the last one in the series where he had to put it through DOD approval. So in the epilogue there, there was a whole paragraph redacted. Right. Yeah, there was one chapter where there was like, uh, as I'm listening to it, every other word that Ray was saying. I think it was chapter like 59. Ray was just it saying was redact- redacted when they were talking about like the the different mode of actions that they could go through. Yeah, uh, with Vic Rodriguez, it was just redacted, 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 redacted. And the like, training, 
when they did the mock-up yeah, scenes. Yeah, the trading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I like that. I know some people say it takes them out of the story and they're bothered by it. I love it. I think it adds to the mystery. And perhaps my favorite part about it is when Jack puts a little nod to his frustrations with that in the author's note. And he yeah. says, if you're really paying attention, you can read between the lines. And I right. think – I think if you read these books and you're not paying attention to try to read between the lines, they're good. If you are paying attention, they're great. They go beyond good. They they go to great. And the the redactions, I think they're fun. I think they mean it's real. I think it shows the bullshit he went through. And as a reader, I just, it gives me some sense of intrigue. I like it. Agreed. Bad guys, good guys. Tyler, why don't you break down both bad guys and good guys? Good guy. Well, okay. Bad guys first. I think the cast is fantastic except for the mole. I think he is the weakest link of the entire novel. So what what's the point point max for both of these? Is it these are all five. Yeah, everything okay. here on out. So five You may do halves. You may do halves. I'm gonna give bad guys a four because it just sucks like the rest of the cast of the bad guys is great. Oliver Gray, you they're just people that you love to dislike and you want to see meet their demises as they do. Um, the good guys, there's such a big cast of good guys that they get five because everyone's so well fleshed out. They feel real. They feel, um, they feel like each of them could maybe have like their own novel at some point. Like, right. You know, um, they, they just feel like they're very well thought out, very detailed. And so good guys get a five. Yeah. I think we have some consensus here because, um, I also gave it a four and a five. you know, pretty much for the same reasons. There, there was some, you know, while I think Gray and and Alexander were, you know, guys that were super despicable. You know, maybe you just argue that there was, and then I guess if you throw in, uh, Yvonne, like there was just a lot of them. Um, and then there's also like the mercenaries, and then definitely that the well, I forget his name, but uh, the mole guy, Reginald Pine, um. And like how he's being worked as a mole, like that, that was just you know, that's the the big thing that we're gonna dig in here. But the good guys, like you know, you bring back in, um, you brought back in Katie, you brought back in his, you know, Liz Riley. You have all the Hastings, you have all of the special ops guys that help uh, Reese out, the dogs, you know, the good guys, they 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 win this novel. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I'll agree with you all. I was going to go a little lower on bad guys. Didn't go down to that three because the others deserve it. Alexander and his backstory just being crazy. His dynamics with his father. Oliver Gray. Gotta love to hate, like you said. So I didn't bang him too much on the on the very few bad guys who are, who are poorly written. So I went with the four. Although I disagree on good guys. It's not just a five. It's a five plus. Plus, 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 plus. <laughs> You're giving plus. it more than a five. This is a fantastic cast of characters. Everyone you mentioned, and you could even one-up that. It just keeps going. Vic Rodriguez and the DCI, the director of Central Intelligence, right. that lady right. in the meeting. Just everyone on the good side is awesome. And they're not just purely awesome. They're they're complex and they're individuals. So it's not just the same one story for all the good guys. It's a complex network of relationships. And it's it's all grounded in in history and reverence and respect for one another. Everyone plays their role perfectly. Love the good guys. Yeah, real quick. Uh, Oliver Gray reminds me of like Grima Wormtongue from Lord of the Rings. Le- right. that, yes. that level of bad guy. Yeah, yes, yeah. that is the Stu Garrett a archetype. Super as well. slime ball. Yep. You just want to yep. see get get murked. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Speaking of Lord of the Rings, which has some really great settings uh, in New Zealand and all these sweeping shots, what do you say for the setting here? It's um, got to be that perfect five, no? Yeah. It's got to be. Yeah, 100%. Uh, between, just between si- Siberia and Montana, it's a five. And then you throw in Medney, which for some reason, like the more times I read or listen to this, I I, I don't know why that island is like mysterious. You I mean, kind of. I just looked at pictures yeah. of it. I don't know how much flights are, but. it's uh it just seems cool it seems like it's it seems like a i like it more than now that it's that it's not fiction uh it just seems like a place where people could get away with exactly what we're reading about yeah you you know you you guys both might like connor sullivan his debut debut novel was sleeping bear 
And it must, must have drawn some inspiration here from Savage Sun because very similar. It's about hunting, hunting humans. It takes place in Alaska and across this northeastern part of Siberia. So I really think you like that one. It's, it's very similar to this. What, what was the title? Sleeping Bear by Connor Sullivan. He's got a second book coming out soon. So, But it's not related, it right? Not related at all, but I, you can definitely, the way we've been talking, you can sense there's there's some inspiration here. It takes place in Alaska. It's it's a hunt-centric novel. How about the setting for you guys? Five. It's a five. Like this, <laughs> you know, it, I think uh, the time we spend both in Montana and then in some area, you know, he, he executes it really well. So it's got to I don't know fun. which one I like more, Montana or Mendy Island. That's tough. It's, That's tough. They're fantastic. Yeah. Five plus again. Plus, plus, plus. All right. Um, should we do the covers first or should we give our free space? Which, Tyler, if you don't know, you get a free five points for whatever the winner was, whatever your favorite part of the book was. Kind of like this last minute shout out. So you want to do that first or you want to do covers? Free space first, then covers. Free space. Yep. All right. So my five points is going to the Reese versus Sergey fight oh, just by right. itself yes. is some of the yes. best action I've read in a book. Um, here, here. Just the way it's described is, is super well, well done and easy to understand. And it feels like you're, you're reading and you're reading faster and faster because you're imagining how quickly this combat is happening. And I like everything from the beginning to where Sergei throws the rifle like a bat to get rid of it. The right. dogs are gone. Reese is working on his snowshoe and Sergey slows down so he can get his shoe done. And um, I just like the description. It's just a solid section. I think it's the most solid like chapter in the whole book. Can I ask you a question there? Because I had to reread it. When he tosses that gun, am I right that he would have shot Reese? It just misfired or jammed? Um, I think it or was. I think did he was toss him. it? I think to it have was an dead. even fight. No, he he went to pull the trigger and he it said was empty. It, it was the loudest noise in the in right. the, the entire day and it was a click instead of a bang. Right. And so he grabbed the rifle by the barrel and swung it like a baseball bat and it went off into the distance. Right. Okay. Be- the reason why I had to reread it. I was thinking it would be kind of cool if he was always the lackey for Alexander who got to go on these hunts. Yeah. But Sergei secretly wanted to prove himself. For sure. And this was the chance to have a fair fight with a man. Yeah. You know, just this grizzly bear of a human. Yep. And so I was wondering if he threw away the gun under his own volition just to say, let's have it mano y mano. But yeah, that's right. Okay. Oh, interesting. I read it as I read it as how you thought, Mike. I read it as if he he wanted a fair fight. Maybe maybe it maybe makes more I'm, sense. Maybe, maybe it's wrong. wrong. No, no, no. Now that I'm thinking about no, it. No, you're like, right. It makes that line. Sense. Yeah, he ran out I think of ammo. Maybe it also like just this crappy Russian equipment, you know, of yeah. course it's going to misfire. And yeah, it, it did says he do it on it, purpose? Maybe, the, maybe it, he knew he wanted to fuck up Reese in the head and say, bang, you're dead. Now let's fight. I believe what it says is the loudest noise in the entire forest was the sound of a, of a firing pin going forward on an empty chamber. Yeah, you're right. Okay. You're right. Okay. Okay. Could still be on purpose though. You know, there could, could be. be some mind games going on there for sure. Freak uh, that was a really fight. cool. That was a cool. It fight. was cool. Either yeah. way, it was cool. What about yeah, uh, really free cool. space for you guys, Chris? Uh, mine's got to be the epilogue, man. Like, uh, <laughs> it, it's freaking awesome. Um, like I said, I, I want, I wanted more of it. I wanted to, I wanted just a, an entire book of him going through the wilderness and, and leaving these gifts for people, being the specter in the night. Um, yeah, it's the epilogue for me. Good stuff. I'm going to shout out my girl one more time, Caroline Hastings. <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> over and over. Good. Yeah. Caroline Mike's Hastings, in love. <laughs> yeah, you are in love, Mike. And forgive me one more time, but uh, let me wax poetic for my love here with one more quote, if you will. Uh, it's just, again, such a good one. Chris, you know, I'm the quote guy on the podcast. I never have this many. The writing is that good. And I couldn't cut them down either. Usually I try to get them to two, three lines maximum. I had paragraphs here. It was that good. I don't want to cut any of this. So it's right when they're about to take up their positions and defend the house. And Katie's thinking, quote, Katie stared wide eyed at the woman who just a day ago had seemed like a Western version of Martha Stewart. Yeah, yeah, that was a good line. That was a good line. (laughs) She had transformed into a warrior. No one is coming. It's up to us. Take your positions. 
Caroline opened the bolt on her BRNO rifle and pulled it back far enough to confirm that there was a round in the chamber. The magazine held five rounds of the venerable, gotta help me out here, .375 H&H. Yeah. No idea what that means. That's exactly how you say that. Hey, you know, I knew that. Another was in the chamber, ready to go. Boy Scout. (laughs) (laughs) Listen to this. This is Boy Scout right here. Ten more rode in a leather belt around her waist, and she stuffed another ten in her pockets. The rifle had served her well since she first picked it up in 1971. She is strapped up, ready to go, in a moment's notice, when yeah. she was practically Martha Stewart just an hour ago. Yeah, I mean that that just goes to show you how how much how how well American life has been for her, but how much she remembers from South Africa. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. And that and that's why I can't get rid of True Believer in my mind. What that first half of the book did to establish this universe that would later be the Hastings clan means so much to me because we got to cover. We got to do the covers. And then I'm hoping we can end here, boys, with a little chat of our rankings, one through five of the books. Knowing full well, Chris, the devil's hand is, is not yet on the card for you. But I want to while we have Tyler, I want to get the top five knowing this is in the first spot. But before we get there, let's round out the scorecard with some covers. And, and Tyler, a little backstory. Chris and I. We've been a little down on the Jack Carr covers. It's not our favorite in in the thriller verse. But I got to say, these ones are good. These ones are, are I think, better yeah, than really the good. last two. So, yeah. Tyler, what do you think about these covers? Um, I I don't mind the stock hardback covers. I like, the, I like the material they're made out of. I like how they're a little reflective. I like how each one is a solid color and then black. But for me, actually, out of the ones that, that I'm looking at, B, which is the uh, paperback one, is the is the best one. Yes, in sir. my opinion. Yeah, I've I've really liked um all of the ones that have had this like panel length. Um, I'm I'm guessing that is all the same reissue as a paperback. Yep. And and the Savage Sun one, it 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 reminds me of the epilogue. You know, like him, like some guy wandering through Siberia, or or it could be anybody. You know, one of the trackers. Um someone who is being hunted you know all the standing men guys they're not bad they're not as egregious as some of the other ones that i i think like i agree with you mike that these tend to be better um i like how you have the mountains in, in a lot of them whether it's siberia could also be montana you know these covers aren't bad beside f i don't know what the hell's going on in f like <laughs> is that is that james reese it looks uh, like a uh, it looks like a va- no. vampire yeah, it it looks What's like that twilight? twilight. It looks like Twilight. It yeah, yeah Twilight with a machine gun. The thing I like the most about B is it reminds me of a very good David Morrell first blood cover where mm. it's like all tan and then out of nowhere is John Rambo and this one reminds me a lot of that. Um and I definitely nice. think that's that's Siberia or Medney behind right. him. Right. Yep. Um but yeah, I like how I like I just like the color and how it works. And I like how the snow is out of the stripes and in the stripes. Right. Um, right. The black and gold works. I was just looking at the other soft back releases too. Like the first one for terminal list is the stripes with the Capitol building. And the second one for true believer is like the stripes are vertical and it has the American flag with like an explosion at the bottom. I think that one's Mm kind of weak. I think this is out of the paperbacks is the best. Yeah. I think overall we like the paperbacks more. You're right. The paneling and striping. Have been our favorite in the series, but this, I think, is the best one. Oh, and another thing, Tyler, we like to judge a cover by the book. So a big criteria for us is, does it relate to the story? And I kid you not, sometimes they miss the main part of the story on a cover (laughs) and just give you some generic crap. Yeah. And I just love that every one of these is in the winter. Every one of them is in the forest or Siberia. A might even be Montana. I'm not sure. but Okay, so real quick, look at E. Yeah, that's Montana. Oh, yeah, that's and Montana. I was thinking that could also be Thorne's cabin on the Idaho uh, yeah. border. Could where, be with Dimitri. Yeah, imagine if he just tortured Dimitri right back there. There's none that I hate other than F. So the rest Agreed. of those are pretty solid. Yeah. Um, all right, so that's uh, I'm, I'm going to solid four point five. I don't know what you guys. Whoa, that's pretty high. Okay, probably do like a four for for B. All right, I th- all right. think. I'm going to go down a three and a half while I like these more than the other ones in the series. They're not that great for me. Oh, and 
C, Chris, we got a running man. C is just too Flynnian for me. Like that's a Vince Flynn stock image right there with the running man. <laughs> I'm just surprised there's no power lines, and that will be for our OG listeners. But there should be power lines in that picture. That looks like an early Vince right there. And I'm sorry, one last thing I'm dinging it on. So I got to go down to three and a half faces. Tyler, I got a face yeah, problem. You're, you're I, out, you got a face yeah. problem. You like I got faces. over the putting a guy on the cover, which I'm not a big fan of having an actual body or an, uh, you know a, a person. Too many faces. Once you add the face, I mm-mm, I don't want it on a thriller cover. So unfortunately, A, which is really cool artistically and design-wise, you see half a face. F, you see a face. B, D, you got a little too much of a face. So yeah, sorry, guys. Going three and a half on these covers. Real quick, if, right. if either of you guys have Google open, just Google First Blood novel cover. It's the second picture. Is one of my is probably my favorite novel cover. It should be uh, first is in black lettering with like the tan background and then blood oh, is in yeah. red. And so at the top it has John Rambo in a flannel with a rifle. That's oh, fantastic. Cool. That, that cool cover. cover is so That's good. That's a great cover. I like how the R like sort of dips down into the blood. Yes. Like, yeah, yep. that's cool. Dude, that's you're 100%. That's a great cover. It's simple. It's very simple. Yeah, I like how small John Rambo is on it. Like he doesn't take he doesn't take, take a, the the spotlight away from the title. Yeah. And I like that, that one I won't say is a, has a face problem either. It's small enough and it's like clip arty enough. Yeah, no face problem there. That's a great one. So Nice. All right, so what does that bring our totals to? Tyler with a very strong 48 points out of 50. Chris right behind with a 47 and a half. I'm unfortunately, I am usually the critic a bit lower at 45 and a half. <laughs> he didn't make it for the critics. Have you ever given anything perfect scores? He he just did. Okay. On yeah. a pod without me. I oh. did it without Chris because I read a book that was so good. I had to jump on the microphone and do it. Sons of Valor. Dude. Andrews and Wilson, Brian Andrews and Jeff Wilson are a tag team duo. They're Sons of Valor series. There's only two of them. Okay. They're almost, almost the perfect two books. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to add them to the really library then. Dude. Yeah, so I jumped on the mic. I And I was thinking out loud. I'm like, I'm not going to force this to be a 50 out of 50. But there's a good chance if I think out loud right now, I'm going to get myself to the conclusion of 50 out of 50. And. And it happened. They're that good. Cool. Yeah. So if we go off all of my numbers, Mike, then this is the the highest rated book, which I would agree with. I think like this is there. If you, I rank Terminal List a point above True Believer, and then In the Blood was my lowest. Which it's funny. Like I remember enjoying that book, but I don't know why I was so down on the scorecard. But these ones are so good, right? But I think yeah, the first three are definitely the better of, of the novels. I, I think uh, I agree, but I would flip Terminalist and True Believer. I, I think it would go Savage Sun, True Believer, Terminalist, and then In the Blood. And I'm, I can't rank Devil's Sand yet because I haven't read it yet. So Terminalist is dropping to the three spot for you. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the first half of, ter- of True Believer. You know. Okay. So I'm, that that's my order. I'm sticking to it. Okay. For me, it's uh, Savage Sun, Terminalist, then In the Blood then true believer, then devil's hand. Okay. 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 By scorecard, I would have terminalist in first place, savage son, and then true believer in the blood and devil's hand. I think I'm going to bump true believer to the second spot. Just nostalgia's sake. I'm an, I'm an originalist. I, I like debuts and their follow up. Like if you give me that one, two punch, that means a lot to me. And so I, uh, I'm i going in order. Terminalist, True Believer, Savage Son is my my top three. I get it. Just I, 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 Terminalist. I just remember opening it for the first time and yeah. just being blown away. Yep, it, nothing's going to see. That's how I was too. And yeah. in my opinion, Devil's Hand, even though it might be at the bottom of my list, it's still good. Like I've read it once, listened to it twice. There's still good, really good parts of it. It's just. Yeah, it's good. It's just, uh, I could see how Mike is annoyed by the topic, but maybe try and give it another read because post, post that lifestyle, it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's better. It's, I don't know. It's different. 
I think that right, is we'll, my bias. We'll read it and yeah. uh, we'll, we'll have you back on, Tyler. Awesome. This was great. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. I'm going to be more open and I'm going to read it with an open mind and I'm going to come at it fresh and, and give it an honest score uh, on the scorecard. So, Sounds yeah. good. I will drop my biases from my previous read. Sounds good. <laughs> I will also say Savage Son, though it slipped to my third spot, I will recognize it is perhaps his best written book. Yeah. I actually think it might be the best written book. Just yeah. all the quotes I pulled out, right? Like, yeah. I think it's the best written book, and I could see why it's a fan favorite and probably the highest rated in the series. So, yeah, I get that. It, it's just m- me personally. I, I like the originals of things. So, well, Tyler, thanks so much. It's like always a blast having you on. We'll bring you back real soon. And is there a date for Only the Dead? Do we know when we're we're going to be getting that? Because we'll have to chat, you know, in the lead up to that. It just says spring 2023. Spring, um, okay. These books normally soon. come out in like April-ish, right? So, yeah. The last one was slotted for April, got pushed to June. Um, oh, here uh, I no, see a pub date for May 16th. Okay. There we go. Potential. I think they try Potential. to beat the summer rush. You know, like Brad Thor's a summer novel. Kyle Mills is, is post-summer. Yeah. I think we, they try to open up with Jack usually a little little earlier. So, Cool. Good stuff, boys. A lot of fun. All right, well, thank you, Tyler, for coming on the pod. This was great. We had an hour and 47-minute <laughs> marathon of Savage Sun, but that was great. That was awesome. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. We have to thank our patrons. Big shout-out to our special operator, Sherry F., our special agents, Daryl, Kevin, George, Matt, Don, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. And we'll be back in January uh, covering more Thriller podcasts. So look forward to us in the new year. Please subscribe, rate, and review using the Apple Podcast app. You can find us online at thrillerpod.com or using the Twitter and Instagram handle at thrillerpodcast. And as always, like Jonathan Hastings says, to the lads. To the lads.